بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وان شر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار in our last lesson we looked at the treaty of hudaybiyah and the the background or the circumstances in which this treaty came to be and we mentioned that the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he saw a dream in which he was uh, you know making uh, umrah and so he decided to go on the on the umrah and as they made their way and came close to mecca they were prevented by the mushrikun from entering into mecca and what happened as a, as a, as an outcome of that situation was that a treaty was agreed upon and there were certain conditions of that treaty and from the conditions of that treaty uh, that we that we actually mentioned was that the messenger of allah sallallahu that he would not proceed to mecca this year he would rather turn back and go back and return to uh, medina and he would be allowed to come the following year to come and do umrah and would be allowed to stay for only a period of 3 days and you know he was not allowed to bring any weapons and things of that nature the second uh, condition or the second uh, point of agreement was that for 10 years war will be postponed there will not be any war any battle for a period of 10 years the third clause in the treaties was that anyone who wanted to enter into any treaty any agreement with the messenger of allah he was free to do so and anybody or any tribe or any group who wanted to enter into a treaty an agreement with the quraysh they were free to do so meaning that outside of this treaty outside of this agreement if anybody else want if each party wanted to make their own agreements with other parties they were free to do so and the fourth and the fourth and final uh, main clause of this treaty was that if any muslim left makkah and he fled and went to the muslims in medina he would have to be returned and sent back to makkah and if any non muslim mushrik was to leave medina and make his way to makkah then he would be allowed to stay and he would not have to be returned by the mushriks returned back to the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi so th- these were the uh, terms of the treaty and they were agreed upon and as we mentioned some of the companions were very upset uh, by this treaty and they were very very uh, distraught and sad because they felt it was um, almost like a humiliation and you know sur- surrendering and you know um it gave them like a very very weak position and so we saw that umar bin al-khattab radiyallahu anhu was was quite upset uh, with this treaty 
And um, eventually, we saw the wisdom and the benefits that came, well, that, that were clearly observable for the Muslims in this treaty, which weren't apparent to, uh, you know, in that situation to uh, many of the companions. And so from the great benefits of that treaty was that there could be no more aggression from the mushrikun. So war now was postponed for 10 years, in, which means that now the ground is open for the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam to make da'wah to the people without any hindrance. Without any hindrance whatsoever. Whereas before, as you remember, there was plotting and planning, there were intrigues, there were battles, there were actions of treachery, there was all sorts of things, there were assassination attempts, there was all sorts of things that were taking place, which hampered, which prevented the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in making da'wah to Allah, to making the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in making da'wah to Allah. So, in today's lesson, this is where we left, left off in the previous lesson, uh, and uh, from this point onwards, as soon as, as the Treaty of Hudaybiyah was established, the Messenger of Allah Sallam, he returned back to Medina, and immediately he began to call the nations, the nations, the major nations, and likewise the major tribes, he began to call them to Islam. And so in this lesson, what we're going to look at, inshallah, is to look at a number of the writings of the letters that the Messenger of Allah, that he sent to the various kings, to the various leaders, to the various people of influence, inviting them to Islam. So, the Messenger of Allah, he returned uh, from Hudaybiyah, and obviously he'd ratified the treaty with the Quraysh, and there was therefore... Uh, security that was established as a result of that. And he began to write to the kings and rulers. And from those, the first of those that we'll mention is his letter to An-Najashi. An-Najashi, and he was the king of Abyssinia. Now this letter, um, it, this letter, it is established that this letter wasn't actually written after Hudaybiyah. There was a letter that was written before the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, but it's included amongst the series of letters that the messenger wrote to the various kings and rulers. So it's normally included within this list. Anyway, he says, uh, in this letter, the messenger of Islam, he wrote, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Beginning in the name of Allah, the most merciful, the most compassionate, the most merciful. Hada kitabun min Muhammad. This, this message or this, uh, this writing is from Muhammad, uh, the Prophet and Nabi. إِلَى النَّجَّاشِ الْأَسْحَمْ To النَّجَّاشِ الْأَسْحَمْ Who is عَظِيمُ الْحَبَشَ Who is the, the ruler or the leader of, of uh, uh, Habasha, Abyssinia. سَلَامٌ عَلَى مَنِ اتَّبَعَ الْهُدَى سَلَامٌ عَلَى مَنِ اتَّبَعَ الْهُدَى Peace and safety be upon whoever follows the guidance. Now, this is how he began with salam to a non-Muslim. And from this, the scholars deduce that if you want to give you know, salam, then you can say salamun ala manittaba al-huda. May peace be upon whoever follows the guidance. So obviously this means 
This really means that you are only making this dua for the one who truly follows the guidance. And so he said, Salamun ala huda wa amana billahi wa rasulih. And who believed in Allah and His Messenger. Wa ashadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah lam yattakhidh sahibatan wala walada. And I testify that none has the right to be worshipped except Allah alone, without any partners. He never took for himself a wife, a partner, a wife, nor a son. وَأَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبُدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ And that Muhammad is his slave and his messenger. So he clearly established the point of difference or the point of departure from the Tawheed of the messengers and that which the Christians used to hold and believe regarding Isa salam, they claimed that he was the son, they claimed that he was the, 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 the son of Allah and free and, exalt, and free and exalted is Allah from that he should have uh, a son. And then he said, أَدْعُوكَ بِدِعَايَةِ Islam. I call you, I invite you, I call you to the call of Islam. فَإِنِّي أَنَا رَسُولُهُ For indeed I am his messenger. فَأَسْلِمْ تَسْلِمْ فَأَسْلِمْ تَسْلِمْ So submit, meaning accept Islam and submit, and you will be safe. And then he mentioned the ayah in the Qur'an, يَا أَهْلَ الْكِتَابِ This is the way that Allah... Subhanallah, he orders us to address the people of the book, meaning the Jews and the Christians. Ya ahl al-kitab, ta'alaw ila kalimatin sawa. Come, come to a common word, ila kalimatin sawa in baynana, to a common word between us wa baynakum, and between you. Allah na'buda illallah, that we worship none but Allah, wala nushrika bihi shay'a, and we do not associate any partners with him in anything. And that we do not take from amongst ourselves lords from, from you know, that we do not, do not take each other's as lords besides Allah. If they then turn away, turn back, meaning turn in rejection, then say indeed, bear witness, that we are Muslims. So this verse establishes that the way, the way that a Muslim, he calls the people of the book, the Jews and the Christians to Islam. And Najashi was obviously a Christian, and before Islam, that region, that whole region, the region, the African region, Egypt and south, and likewise uh, across the whole of Rome, that area had adopted uh, uh, as what, what is called Christianity. Now, this wasn't what Esau Islam, what he brought, but what, what was called Christianity, it spread. Uh, it went to the Roman Empire, and then it, because the Roman Empire uh, had control over a large number of lands, then it spread into other places as well. Uh, but the those areas in, in those civilizations they used they used to they, they used to have certain beliefs regarding sun gods they used to believe that the sun was a divine 
a second god in the sky. And this belief had been present in many, many different civilizations, cultures going back thousands of years, going back to Egypt, going back to Babylon in Babel, where they used to worship, they used to be astrologers, they used to worship the stars, the moon and the sun, and the planets and so on and so forth. And they used to believe that the, uh, the stars in the sky have an effect and influence upon events upon the earth. So, uh, one of the key things was that they used to worship the sun. And they used to have myths surrounding the sun. And these myths, they came to Egypt. And, you know, uh, the Romans then acquired some of these myths. And they used to worship the sun. And then when some of the Roman uh, rulers or the Roman emperors, they came like Constantine uh, in the 4th century. They came and they basically merged Christianity with their worship of the stars and the sun. And so this notion of the, of the, of, of the sun god, you know, this, this myth of, of the sun god, they incorporated uh, Christianity, the message, or what, what was claimed to be the message of Isa, or they took the, the figure of Isa salam, and they portrayed him in the frame of a sun god, which, which is something that they already used to believe in. So anyway, the, the, the point being that by this time, by this time, uh, Christianity was not, it was, it was not the message of Isa alayhi salam. It was rather a message, it was the message of Islam, of Tawheed, that Isa alayhi salam that he brought, that message was lost, and the figure of Isa alayhi salam was incorporated into the idol worship, and the star worship, and the sun worship, that was already present that was already rampant in, in many of these civilizations and cultures, like the Roman Empire, the Greek, in the Greek Empire before that, in the Egyptian Empire. And so, um, they'd strayed far, 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 far away from the message of Tawheed. So therefore, when a Muslim calls these people to Islam, Ya Ahl al-Kitab, or people of the book, you were sent the book, a book the book was sent to you, to the messengers, to Musa al-Islam. To Isa salam, let us come to a common word between us and between you that we worship none but Allah alone. That we do not associate any partners with Him in worship. We do not make alongside Allah Isa salam a deity alongside Allah. We do not make alongside Isa salam Maryam salam a deity alongside Allah. This is all false. This is all false. And do not, that we do not take from amongst ourselves or between ourselves lords besides Allah. And if they turn away, then say to them, bear witness that indeed we are Muslims. We are Muslims, we have submitted only to Allah, we worship only Allah alone. So after mentioning this ayah in his letter, the Messenger of Allah he said, for in abayt, for in abayt, if you then refuse, for inna alayka, then upon you is the sin of all of the Christians who are from your people. And so, this shows that the leaders of the, the leaders who, you know, uh, the leaders of the Yahud, the leaders of the Nasara, the leaders of, you know, whatever it, it might be, they bear the burden 
on their shoulders is the burden of all of those whom they hindered from the message of Islam. And so the messenger, from you will see that in all of his letters, he would say, when he called a person who was influential, who was influential, he would basically uh, inform him of the consequences of him refusing to enter into Islam. Uh, and from those consequences would be that he will be responsible for everyone whom he misguided as a result of hindering them, hindering them from the message of Islam and from you know from them hearing the message of Islam and from from him leading the way, leading you know leading them behind him in entering into into Islam. So he sent this book uh, with one of the companions, Amr bin Omeya al-Dhamari, and so when he brought it. Uh, and Najashi took the letter, he put it on his eyes, and he came down from his uh, seat or his throne, and he basically accepted Islam as a humble man. He accepted Islam upon the hand of Ja'far bin Abi Talib, radiallahu anhu, and he then wrote to the Messenger of Allah that he had accepted Islam, and that he had made that given the Pledge of Allegiance, the Bay'ah, to the Messenger of Allah and so, uh, what happened was that some of the um, companions who'd already made hijrah, they were returned back to the Messenger of Allah, Wasallam, and um, this this indicates the you know the Islam of An Najashi. He then died a number. Of, he he died in the year nine hijrah in the Rajab of the year nine hijrah, and so the Messenger of Allah he mentioned to the companions of the death of an najashi and they prayed over him with the prayer of the absent, the Salatul Ghaib, the prayer of the one who is absent. And after him came another ruler, another Najashi, and it is not known. Um, the messenger uh, actually wrote to him as well to become a Muslim, but it's not known whether he actually became a Muslim or not. So this is the first of the letters which are amongst those that the messenger wrote. The second letter was a letter that was written to a person given the title of Al-Muqawqas. Al-Muqawqas. And he was the king of Alexandria. Alexandria. Alexandria is a place at the north of Egypt. It's like a port in the north of Egypt. And obviously it takes its name Alexandria because there was a time when there was uh, Greek uh, influence or Greek rulership over uh, Egypt, and so it was a port town, Alexandria. It was also a place of a lot of uh, learning, a lot of uh, astronomy, a lot of astrology, and uh, you know this was a place where there were many of the Yahud, many of the uh, scholars of the Yahud, and they gathered in this place, and they were all affected by uh, a lot of these sciences and a lot of these uh, teachings. So, in Alexandria was a, uh, a king, and he represented the Christian Copts, Al-Qubd, the Christian Copts. So he wrote him a letter, and uh, he, he was actually at the time the king of Egypt and of Alexandria. And in this letter, in fact his name is said to be Juraj bin Mata, Juraj bin Mata. So he wrote him a letter, and uh, he said in this letter, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, the name of Allah, the most compassionate, the most merciful, Min Muhammad, 
from Muhammad Abdullah wa Rasul uh, from Muhammad the uh, slave of Allah and his messenger to Al-Muqawqas to Al-Muqawqas Azimul Qubt who is the leader of the Copts Salamun ala man ittaba'al huda Salamun ala man ittaba'al huda peace and safety upon the one who followed the guidance amma ba'd thereafter fa inni ad'uka bi di'ayatil islam then indeed i invite you i call you to the invitation of islam aslim taslim submit meaning to allah in islam and you will be safe and you will have peace and you will be safe aslim yu'tika allah ajrak marratain if you become a muslim allah will give you your reward twice you will be rewarded twice why because number 1 uh, as as we uh, as the scholars explain that number 1 you be, you were a believer in Isa alayhi salam and you held on to what you knew or what you believed was his message and then when you accept islam you then believed in the messenger of allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and so you you've now accepted uh, another messenger and so you will re, you will be rewarded twice for holding on to that guidance and then holding on to this guidance so thereafter he said fa in tawallayt if you turn back and turn away fa inna alayka ithmu ahli al-qubd if you turn away then upon you is the sin of the pe- of meaning of the people of uh, qubd and then he mentioned the same ayah in the quran again ya ahli al-kitab or people of the book ta'alu ila kalimatin sawa sawa let us come to a common word between us and you, بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَكُمْ أَلَّا نَعْبُدَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَلَا نُشْرِكَ بِهِ شَيْئًا That we do not worship anything besides Allah, nor do we associate anything with Him. وَلَا يَتَّخِذَ بَعْدُنَا بَعْدًا أَرْبَابًا مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ And nor that any of us take from amongst ourselves lords besides Allah. فَإِن تَوَلَّوْا If they turn away, فَقُولُ اشْهَدُوا بِأَنَّا مُسْلِمُونَ Then say to them that we are indeed Muslims testify that bear witness that we are indeed Muslims. So he sent this letter with a companion by the name of Hatib bin Abi Balta'a. Hatib bin Abi Balta'a. And so he went to him and he gave him the letter. He spoke to him. And Al Muqawqas, he honored uh, Hatib, he honored him and respected him. And uh, he took the letter and basically he read it and he considered it and then he wrote a letter back to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and in this letter that he wrote back to the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he said that I have already been expecting I'm expecting a Prophet there is a Prophet yet to come and this Prophet, in my belief, he will come from Sham. He will come from the land of Sham. And so, so, so meaning that he was expecting another Prophet. So he didn't actually affirm his belief in the Messenger of Allah, وسلم, but he simply said, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for another Prophet. He didn't like outright deny or you know, say, you're not a Prophet. But he said, look, I'm waiting for another prophet who is going to come from Sham, in my belief. So he didn't actually become a Muslim. But he sent some gifts with Hatib bin Abi Balta'a to the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. 
What did he send? First of all, he sent two. Uh, he sent two of two um, females, two jaria, two two female slave, slave girls. One was called Maria, and one was called Sirin. And they, well, actually, he says ahda jariyatain, two females, and they were Maria and Sirin, and they had a, a position. They were held in in you know high status amongst the Qubd. And he also gave, sent with him some clothing. And he also sent with him a riding steed, a riding animal. And he sent all of that back to the Messenger of Allah And this was obviously his uh, sign of goodwill. He wasn't hostile or anything. And so the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he uh, took Maria as a wife for himself. And likewise the riding steed in order to, to ride thereupon. And he bestowed Sirin, which was the other a uh, female a uh, lady that, that was sent as a gift by uh, al-muqawqas and he and he offered her to hassan bin thabit radiyallahu anhu who who married her likewise so this was a second letter this was to the ruler of egypt so we have the ruler of abyssinia then we have the ruler of egypt and then he wrote a letter to the ruler of persia faris which was a major empire in that time and so this uh, le- uh, the, the leader was known as uh, Khosroz or Kisra, and his name was Parwais. Parwais. So the messenger wrote to him with the following, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, in the name of Allah, the Most Gracious, the Most Merciful, Min Muhammad, from Muhammad Rasulullah, the Messenger of Allah, Ila Kisra, Adim Faris. So Kisra, who is the leader of Persia. Salamun ala manitabal huda. Peace and safety be upon the one who followed guidance. Wa amana billahi wa rasulih. And who believed in Allah and His Messenger. Wa shahida. Allah ilaha illallah. Wahdahu la sharikala. And who testified that there is none which has a right to be worshipped but Allah. Wa anna Muhammadan abuduhu wa rasuluh. And that Muhammad is His slave and His Messenger. Adu'uka bidi'ayatil Islam. I call you with the invitation of Islam. Or I invite you with the call of Islam. فَإِنِّي أَنَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ إِلَى النَّاسِ كَافَةِ For indeed I am the messenger of Allah to all of mankind. And then he mentioned the ayah, لِيُنذِرَ مَنْ كَانَ حَيًّا وَيَحِقَّ الْقَوْلُ عَلَى الْكَافِرِينَ That he may warn whoever is alive, has life, and that the word may be established upon the disbelievers. فَأَسْلِمْ تَسْلِمْ So submit, accept Islam and you will be safe. فَإِنْ أَبَيْتْ فَإِنَّ إِثْمَ الْمَجُوسِ عَلَيْكِ So if you refuse, then indeed the sin of the majus will be upon you. So look at how in every instance we see the Messenger of Allah saying, to the rule of the Christians, if you reject the sin, you know the the, the 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 sin of all of the people behind you will be upon you. And likewise, he said to the Qabd, if you refuse, the sin of all of the the the, the, the Qabds will be upon you. Likewise, here to the Persians, if you refuse, then the sin of all of the per the Magians, the uh, the fire worshippers, it will be upon upon you. Now he sent this letter. 
to one of the with one of the companions called Abdullah bin Hudhafa al-Sahmi, and he was actually ordered to take it to the ruler of Bahrain. To the ruler of Bahrain. So that he, the ruler of Bahrain, could then take it to Kisra. Why? Because Bahrain was a place that was um, ruled over by the, by the Kisra, the Khosras. If you imagine, per, if you imagine where Iran is now, that, that was Persia basically, Faris, Iran. And if you look at uh, across the ocean, where we have... Uh, uh, you know the the Gulf on the other side. There is you know there is Bahrain, uh, where we have now have Bahrain and Qatar, and then the, the, the Emirates on that on that side on that strip. And so they used to actually rule Bahrain. They used to rule Bahrain, the Kisra. So the letter was sent to um, the leader of Bahrain, so that he could in turn send it to Kisra. And so when the book. When the letter was eventually sent to Kisra, to the Khosras, uh, he took the letter and he tore it to pieces and he threw it and he said, how can, how can a lowly slave from my own flock write his own name before my name? He was arrogant. He you know, he didn't want to see anyone else's name written before his name because in the letter it said, Min Muhammad Rasulillah ila Kisra Azim Faris. Right? So he couldn't handle, he didn't like the fact that someone else's name was put before his name. What an arrogant, what an arrogant man. So when it reached the Messenger of Allah that this man, he took the letter and he ripped it and he tore it and he threw it, then the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Mazzaqallahu mulkah. Mazzaqallahu mulkah. May Allah tear asunder, rip apart his dominion. And as the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam invoked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, meaning the same dua that he made, the same dua happened, and indeed Kisra. You know, his empire uh, entered into uh, turmoil. He was, uh, first of all, uh, first of all, uh, he was defeated by Rome. The Romans defeated his empire. Uh, then his own son, his own son, who was called uh, Sherwi, Sherwi, he actually killed him. He killed the Khisra. He killed his own father in order to take leadership. And he took his own leadership. And then eventually the Persian empire split and divided and became corrupt until they were eventually conquered and taken over by the army of uh, in, in the time of Umar bin al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu and so the Persian empire was completely ended right the fire worshippers the Magians their empire was completely destroyed now uh, as we it's important to keep this in mind this issue about the uh, Persians because they were fire worshippers and we're going to come back to that inshallah a little later to this issue uh, a little later so remember the link between the Persians Faris fire worship the fire worshippers the Magians because that's what they were they were fire worshippers and Bahrain because Bahrain uh, there's, there's some incidents which happened afterwards that you know we need to make that connection 
So this was a letter to the king of Persia, Faris. Then the messenger of Allah, he also sent a letter to the leader of Rome, the Qaisar. The Qaisar is the Caesar, the Caesar of Rome, a major empire in the time. What did the messenger of Allah, what did he write? He wrote the following. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, in the name of Allah, the most gracious, the most merciful, Min Muhammad, Abdullah wa Rasulih, from Muhammad, the slave of Allah and his messenger, to Harqal, Azimur Rum, to Harqal, who is the leader of Rome. Salamun ala manittaba huda. Peace be upon whoever followed the guidance. Aslim Taslim. Accept Islam, submit to Allah, you will find safety and peace. Aslim, yu'tikallahu ajraka marratain. Submit in Islam and Allah will give you your reward twice. Why? Because the Rome in that time had adopted Christianity. The Romans, before that they were pagans. They were worshippers of the sun. They were worshippers of the planets, of the planet Venus, of the planet Mercury, of the planet Mars. They used to worship these uh, uh, deities. And then they merged their idol worship, their star worship, their sun worship, and they adopted Christianity. And they brought Christianity within the framework of their star and sun worship. And so, um, by that time, they'd, they'd become uh, allegedly Christian, as they say. And so the Messenger of Islam, he then mentioned the ayah in the Quran, or then he said, فَإِنَّ فَإِنْتَ وَلَّيْتَ if you turn away, فَإِنَّ عَلِيكَ إِثْمَ الْعَرِيسِيِّينَ That if you turn away, upon you is the sin of all of your followers. Then he mentioned the same ayah, يَا أَهْلَ الْكِتَابِ تَعَالَوْا إِلَىٰ كَلِمَةٍ سَوَاءٍ بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَكُمْ أَلَّا نَعْبُدَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَلَا نُشْرِكَ بِهِ شَيْئًا وَلَا يَتَّخِذَ بَعْضُنَا بَعْضًا أَرْبَابًا مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ فَإِن تَوَلَّوْا فَقُولُوا اشْهَدُوا بِأَنَّا مُسْلِمُونَ The same ayah from Surah Ali Imran, verse number 64. So he sent this, this letter, he sent it with Dihya bin Khalifat al-Kalbi, and he ordered him to lead to take it to the leader of Basra. Basra. And from there it was taken to the Qaisar, the Caesar. Now Qaisar at the same time, he had actually um, just de defeated Persia. He defeated Persia, the Persian Empire. And as a sign of his gratefulness to Allah, this is the, the Qaisar, the Caesar, he actually walked to Bayt al-Maqdis. He walked all the way to Bayt al-Maqdis as a sign of his gratitude to Allah because he'd been granted victory over Persia. And so there at that point, when the letter came to him, when the letter came to him from the Messenger of Allah he then decided to look into this affair. So then he ordered some of his uh, troops, uh, some of his men, to go and find a man from the Arabs. Go and find me a, a prominent man from the Arabs. Bring him to me and let me ask him questions. So it so happened that they found Abu Sufyan. Abu Sufyan bin Harb, the, the, the enemy of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, on, a, on a trade caravan. So they took him and the, the people with him and they took him to uh, the court of the Qaisar and uh, 
Qaisar invited them to his to his court, to the majlis. And around the Qaisar, around the Caesar were all of the the great figures in his empire. You know, his close courtship, the 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 the, the you know the scholars and the princes and the, the close people are all you know present with him. And so he asked this group that was brought, he said, which of you people is closest in relationship to this to this you know to this uh, to this prophet? And so the people informed him that it is Abu Sufyan. Abu Sufyan. So he brought Abu Sufyan close to himself, brought him right close to himself, and he kept the other people just slightly behind. And he said to them, that if this man tells me any lie, if he tells me any lie, then you, then you inform me that he has lied. So knowing this, then Abu Sufyan knew that, you know, he felt shy from actually telling any lie. Right, so in, he was in a situation where he had he had no choice but to tell the truth. So he then began to ask him a series of questions to Abu Sufyan. He said, first of all, this man, what is his lineage? What is his lineage amongst you? And he said, he is amongst us. He has a honorable, noble lineage. Then he said, this message that he's calling you to, this speech that he's making and calling you to, has anyone before him said this amongst you? Is there any other person amongst you from before you, going back in history, or amongst you, has anyone ever said the same statement that he's calling you to? And he said, Abu Sufyan said, no. Nobody else amongst the Arabs has called with this message that this man is calling to. They asked him the third question. He said, the noble people, the high-ranking noble people, the Ashraf, have they followed him? Or is it the weak, lowly, downtrodden people? Who, who are his followers? He said, Abu Sufyan said, rather it is the weak followers, the du'afa, the weak, the poor people. Then, uh, then uh, Qaisar said, Caesar, he said, are they increasing in number or are they decreasing in number? Meaning, are his followers, are they growing? And he said, Bal yazidun. Rather, they are growing in numbers. Then he said, has any of them, فَهَلْ يَرْتَدْ أَحَدٌ مِنْهُمْ Has any one of them become an apostate out of anger due to becoming angry as a, uh, on account of this religion, after he entered into it. Meaning, that has anybody who entered into this religion then became an apostate, he abandoned it, because he became angry about something in this religion. And Abu Sufyan said, La, no. Then he said, Was he suspected of being a liar? Or was he suspected of telling lies? Before he started saying what he is saying. In other words, before he started calling you to worship Allah alone, or whatever he was calling you to, did you ever ever suspect him of telling lies? And Abu Sufyan said, no. No. Remember, Abu Sufyan is in a position 
where he cannot tell a lie. He would feel ashamed to tell a lie. So all of these answers are truthful answers. Then he says, then Qaisar said, does he act treacherously? Does he behave treacherously? Meaning, does he make an agreement and then break the agreement? And now here, Abu Sufyan said, no. He said, no. But then he took his opportunity to make a remark to imply something negative. Because he couldn't tell a lie. But he, just, he took the opportunity to imply something that could be taken as being negative. So he said, no, no, he has not acted treacherously. But right now, we are in a period, because remember that the Treaty of Hudaybiyah had been ratified, right? And so there's a truce between the Messenger of Allah and the Quraysh. So Abu Sufyan says, no, he doesn't act treacherously, but right now, we are in a period... We don't know what he's going to do with us. We don't know how he's going to behave with us. So this was a slight, it was an expression that he inserted in order to imply something that could be taken as something that is negative. Even though he had to admit, no, he's not acted treacherously. So then, Qaisar said, have you fought against him? Have you fight, fought against him? He said, yes, we have. And then Kaisar said, then how is, how, have, how is your fighting against him? And he said, um, the war between us, it, you know, it's sometimes they win, sometimes we win. It's, you know, it goes between us like this. And, you know, sometimes we uh, over, you know, have the upper hand, sometimes they have the upper hand. And then he said finally, okay, what is it that he's commanding you then? What is his message? What is he commanding you with? And he said, Abu Sufyan said, he says, Allah, worship Allah, wala tushriku bihi shay'a, don't associate any partners with him. Abandon what your forefathers have been saying, leave all of that. And he then said, وَيَأْمُرْ and he commands with the prayer and giving charity and speaking truthfully and being chaste and maintaining the ties of kinship. So then Hirqal, uh, the, 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 the Qaisar, he said, um, he then after verifying all of these things from Abu Sufyan, he then began to comment, he began to make his comment. So he said, you mentioned that he is a man of noble lineage, a man who has a noble lineage. He says, likewise, the messengers, they are sent, and they are sent, and they are, the messengers are from the, you know, the best of the lineage of their, of their people. This is how the messengers are. And you also mentioned that no one else was mentioning this statement before he started making this statement. Meaning, the kalima la ilaha illallah. He said, um, he said, uh, so Qaisar so basically said, that if someone had said the same thing before him, if this message, if someone was saying the same thing before him, 
before he came, then I would have said, oh, he's just a man. He's just following someone who came before him. Right? He's just repeating something that someone before him was saying. If you told me that, yes, someone else had said the same thing, but, the, but, the, but no one has. This shows that this man is not following anyone who came before him. Right? This message is genuinely from, you know, uh, to, to Qaysar at least, from himself. Then he said, and you also mentioned that there was no one from his fathers, from his forefathers, who had any mulk, who was a king, who was a leader. There's no one from his forefathers. If you had said yes, that yes, that he came from a lineage which was a lineage of kings or something, then I would have said, he's just a man who's after leadership. He's just a man who's after leadership. In fact, if you reflect upon these reflections of Qaysar, of Harqal, you can see he's a very intelligent man. He's a very intelligent man. And what he's doing, he's, he's outlining proofs of the veracity, of the truthfulness of the Messenger of Allah, that he is indeed a true Messenger. And these are proofs that we, you know, that, 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 we, can, that we can use and deduce, because they are valid proofs. The Messenger of Allah, he was not after leadership, he was not after kingship, and in fact, we've already seen from, from the seerah itself, when we looked at how they tried to bribe him, and give him position, and status, and wealth, and to be the ruler of the Arabs, in return for a compromise. All of these things clearly establish that he wasn't seeking after kingship. But anyway, from, from, from Harqal, from, from his point of view, he says, well, because there was no kingship in his lineage, then I can't really argue and say, well, he's just a man who's just trying to restore the kingdom of his forefathers. He's try, just trying to restore the kingship, regain leadership from those who came before him. I can't say that. Right? So he said that. Then he said, and you also mentioned that you did not used to suspect him of being a liar, of telling lies, before he began to call with this call. So from this, I know that if he was never prepared to lie to the people, or against or upon the people, then how is he going to lie upon Allah? If he's a man, who never lied to the people, then I can't really say he's going to lie against Allah. He's not going to make a lie and say, it is revealed to me from Allah, when it hasn't been revealed to him from Allah. So, uh, so, so Harqal deduced, you know, deduced this. He, he, he deduces and said, this, this has to be the case. Then he said, and you also mentioned, speaking, uh, addressing Abu Sufyan, that it is the weak people who followed him. The weak people who followed him. And they are the followers of the messengers. It is indeed the weak people, the downtrodden people, who are the followers of the messengers. And see, in this Harqal, the Qaysar, you can see again a wise man. Because we know that those who have the most to lose in following a messenger are the rich people, are the rich powerful, affluent people who have a status in society. That's why you see the Quraysh, the Quraysh rejected the messengership of the messenger of Allah. So why? Because they were the most noble from the Arabs. They were the keepers of the Kaaba. They were 
you know, held in utmost respect. They were the most wealthiest. They were traders. These kind of people have the most to lose. And so because the poor, downtrodden people have nothing to lose, and they are humble, they follow the prophets and the messengers. Now this does not mean in any form or fashion that the poor people are unintelligent. No. Right? Because this is one of the arguments that you see that the, the enemies of the prophets would use against the prophets. They would say, how can we only see just the most despicable, lowly, downtrodden people following you anyway? This is one of the false arguments. How can your message be right? How can your message be correct when all we see around you are just those lowly, lowly despicable people, the, the lowest of the, of the people around you? How can this be? How can, how can you be genuine if this is the case? Right? This is a, one of the false arguments. And so, Harqal understood. Like he's, he's not a stupid man. He knows that in, gen, that in general, that the followers of the prophets, at the beginning, predominantly, they, are, they always tend to be the poor people. And so, this does not, as I said, this does not mean that the poor people are unintelligent people. Not at all. They are, intelligent, they are intelligent, smart people and humble people. So, uh, he knew that the followers of the messengers were the, the du'afa, the weak, uh, the low, downtrodden people. And he also said that, you mentioned that they are increasing in number. He said, this is the nature of faith. This is iman. This is the nature of iman. That iman is something that, you know, it, it, it grows. This is just the nature of iman. Then he said, you also mentioned, addressing Abu Sufyan, that not a single one of them has become an apostate. Not a single one of them has left his religion. So Qaisar, he said, such is the nature of faith. When it mixes, when it enters right into the, the recesses of the heart, then, you know, it, it never leaves. Such is the nature of Iman. Then he said, you also mentioned that he does not act treacherously. This is the nature of the messengers. The messengers, they do not act treacherously. They do not break their trust. You also mentioned, addressing Abu Sufyan, that he commands that none should be worshipped, that you do not worship except Allah, that you do not associate any partners with him. He prohibits you from worshipping the idols. And he commands you with the prayer, with speaking truthfulness, with chastity. And... So he then said, if whatever you say is true, if whatever you say, O Abu Sufyan, is true, then he shall soon be in control. <coughs> he will soon be ruling over the place where my two feet are right now. And he said, I knew, I already knew that he was going to appear. But I did not think he was going to be from amongst you, meaning amongst you, the Arabs. Right? So he knew there was a messenger to appear, but I didn't know or suspect he was going to be from amongst the Arabs. <clears throat> and if I knew, if I had known that I would rush towards him, I would have wanted to meet him. And if I was with him, if I was by him, I would have washed his feet. So, Aysar, he, this is even before the letter uh, he actually reached him. So in the letter, 
uh, came to him and he read the letter. He read the letter out to all of the people, the nobles who were present in his court. And what happened is that as soon as they heard this letter, Qaisar, the Caesar, the ruler of Rome, he's being invited to Islam. He's being told that if you turn back, upon you will be the sin of your followers. You can imagine the commotion that was stirred. So the commotion was stirred in the gathering. So then Abu Sufyan was uh, taken out and uh, you know he was uh, uh, you know accompanied out of the court and as abu sufyan left abu sufyan made a remark and he said that the affair of ibn abi kabsha he's referring to the messenger of allah that the affair of ibn abi kabsha meaning the messenger is is taking root it's taking root why because he could see that qaisar is is, is being affected and he could see that he's afraid you know, the, the, the king of Rome is afraid of the messenger of Allah Wasallam. And so after this, when, when look, at, look at the effect on Abu Sufyan as well. Because when Abu Sufyan saw the response of Qaisar Harqal and how he interpreted his answers, Abu Sufyan could see that this, this is no ordinary man, this is a king of Rome. King of Rome, an empire that's been running for hundreds of years. This man is scared of the messenger of Allah. He's, he's visibly, you can tell he's scared. And he knows all these things, he recognizes these things. So Abu Sufyan perceived, he knew from this, he realized that the Prophet, his message is going to spread and he is going to be victorious. Right? So this, so this idea then was put in the heart of uh, uh, Abu Sufyan. So then, uh, what happened is Abu Sufyan, uh, obviously he was escorted out of the court, and then Harqal, he uh, gave some wealth to the, the companion who brought the letter. His name was Dihya bin Khalifa al-Qalbi. So he gave him some wealth, he gave him some clothes, and he you know, uh, allowed him to return back to Hims, which is a place in uh, Syria. So as we mentioned, um, Abu Sufyan was obviously escorted out with the group that were with him. 
And as for the companion Dihya bin Khalifa al-Kalbi, uh, who was the companion who brought the letter uh, to Harqal, then he was given, he was honored and respected. He was given some wealth. He was given, given some clothing. And so he returned back to Hims, a place, uh, Hims in Syria. And uh, then Harqal, he basically brought all of the important people of his court and he basically closed the doors. Right? He brought them all together and he closed the doors. Remember that they've all been witnessing, or you know, they, 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 they were uh, a commotion had been stirred, you know. And so he brought them all together. He ordered the doors to be locked. And then he said to, the, he said to them, O people, O gathering of Rome, right? because these were all the top figures from you know, different places of, of, of the Roman Empire. He said, Do you want to be successful? Do you want to be guided? Do you want your kingdom to remain? He asked them all these questions. If you do, then follow this prophet. Follow this prophet. As soon as he said that, then some commotion. Everyone started, there was commotion and people talking to each other and, you know, uh, disturbed. And so what they began to do was they slowly began to walk towards the doors to leave. Right? Because they thought this man has basically gone mad. Right? So they tried to make their way for the doors and the doors had been locked. So... When Qaisar saw that they were fleeing away and trying to find an, a, you know, like a sharp exit away from his court, he then said, he then ordered them to be returned, come, come, come back this way. And he said to them, I, I only said what I said to test how staunch you were upon your religion. And I can see that you are very staunch upon your religion because you, you, you try to flee and you try to turn away. And so when they saw, or when, when he said this to them, and he led them to believe that he was testing them, they then basically made prostration, they made sujood to him, and they became pleased. Right? When he said that, I was just testing you. And in reality, Pesar was testing them but he was testing them to see what their response was, was, to see whether he should accept Islam or not. Right? If they had said, yes indeed, O Qaisar, we will follow you, and let's follow this man, this man from Arabia, then he would have probably said, fine, let's, let's follow this man. But because he saw the response that they, that, that, that they made, he felt that if, you know, if he manifests Islam, these people are going to depose him and rid the empire of him because of their staunchness in the religion that they are upon. Right? So he's a clever man. And so he, did, he tested them to see what he should do. So it's clear that he chose the dunya, he chose the world, and he feed his people, and he wanted his kingdom to remain like this. And so as a result of that, he did not, uh, he did not uh, accept Islam. So... Um, so this was the end of the story of uh, the king of uh, Rome.
And there were a number of other letters that were written by the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We'll quickly mention them before we establish the uh, salah. So from those was a person named Al-Harith bin Abi Shimr Al-Ghassani. He was the ruler of Damascus. He was the ruler of Damascus, uh, being the delegated ruler of the Qaisar, the Caesar. So he was basically under the, 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 the ruler of the Romans, but he was delegated to rule over Damascus. So the messenger of Allah, he wrote him a letter as well. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Min Muhammad, Rasulullah, ila al-Harith bin Abi Shamir. Salamun ala mani taba'al huda. Wa amana billahi wa sadaq. Wa inni ad'uka an tu'mina billah wahdahu la sharika lah. Yabqa laka mulkak. Yabqa laka mulkuk. He said, in the name of Allah, the most gracious, the most merciful, from Muhammad, the Messenger of Allah, to Al-Harith bin Abi Shamir. Peace be upon whoever follows the guidance and believes in Allah and is truthful. I call you to believe in Allah alone and without any partners. If you do so, your kingdom will remain with you. So the Messenger of Allah sent this letter with a person, a companion, Shuja' bin Muhab al-Asadi, radiallahu anhu. And so when this man read this letter, he said arrogantly, who's going to take my kingdom from me? Who's going to take my kingdom from me? And he basically was so arrogant and annoyed that he prepared an army to go and to fight against the Muslimin. And he said to Shuja' bin Wahab, he said to, because the companion was watching all of this, that this man, he's, you know, he's rejected this letter, very arrogant, who's going to take my kingdom from me? Then immediately he began to prepare an army Let's go and let's deal with these people. Let's go and conquer these, you know, these people. So Shuja' bin Wahhab is seeing all of this. And he also sought permission from the Qaisar to go and fight against the Messenger of Allah. But the Qaisar, you know, the Qaisar, the Caesar, the Harqal, told him, no, don't, don't go and fight against the Messenger of Allah, you know, against the, uh, this, this, the, the, the Prophet. And so therefore he calmed down and he then allowed... Uh, Shuja, he gave him some food and because when he saw the 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 Caesar of Rome, he's telling him just, you know, don't. Then he, you know, gave him some clothing, gave him some, uh, you know, some nafaka, some some money, and he returned him and said, okay, go back to your prophet, go in, go in peace. Another letter that he wrote was to the Amir of Basra, the Amir of Basra in South Iraq. He called him to Islam, and he sent a letter with the companion Al Harith bin Umair Al Azdi. Anhu. And um, uh, what, what happened here is that unfortunately the Amir of Basra or there was the uh, someone in, in relation to the uh, Amir of Basra, he was actually killed. The messenger who was sent with a message from the messenger was killed, meaning the ambassador was killed. And as you know that this is against you know, it is impermissible to kill ambassadors, and to kill an ambassador is an announcement of war. Right? When when an ambassador comes to you from another nation with a message, and you kill him, this is an automatic announcement of war. And so, this is what this uh, this was what what was done by uh, Al Harith. Uh, uh, that was done to Al Harith that he was killed. And so, this was clearly this is from the most. Uh, enmitous of actions that was done towards the messenger of Allah 
وسلم, because the messenger himself never ever killed any messengers that were sent to him, any delegates or any ambassadors. So as a result of this incident here, there was a battle that took place later, that inshallah ta'ala we will discuss at a, at a later time. Uh, it was known as the Battle of Mu'ta, and we shall come to that a bit later inshallah uh, ta'ala. Um, a few other letters that were written, a letter to Hawda, uh, uh, who was the uh, leader of Yamama. There was also a letter to uh, Al-Mundhir bin Sawa, the king of Bahrain, the actual king of Bahrain. And likewise, a letter that was sent to Amman. Amman, uh, there were two brothers who were rulers. And obviously, the, it's time for prayer now, so I'll quickly shorten the, uh, uh, the, 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 the details. Uh, so basically, they actually both accepted Islam. Uh, they asked about this messenger, what does he command, what does he prohibit, and when they learned that he's a man who asks people to worship Allah alone, to give charity, to not drink wine, to not become intoxicated, to not commit fornication, to be chast, and to give from charity. And so they, you know, they, they thought about it, they deliberated, eventually they accepted Islam. And uh, as for Al-Munzir bin Sawa, the king of Bahrain, then... Um, he was also called to Islam, and he actually became he actually became Muslim. He accepted Islam. He was the ruler of Bahrain. He accepted Islam. Then he began to take jizya uh, from the Majus and the Yahud who were present in Bahrain. Right. So a ruler of Bahrain, he accepted Islam. Then the messenger ordered him to take the jizya. Why? Because they're from the people of the book, and they began to take jizya from the Yahud and the Majus. Now the reason why, if you remember earlier. I mentioned Bahrain early on, and here we learn that there are the Majus and the Yahud who are giving jizya to the rulers of the Muslims. Now, centuries later, there appeared certain movements, right? These movements were the movements from the Yahud and the Majus. The Majus were the Persians and the, and the Yahud. These movements were known as the Batiniyya. Batiniyya. These movements came about because all of these civilizations, these great empires, the Roman Empire, the Persian Empire, the Yahud who were subdued, right? They were not happy that this messenger Muhammad came and he put an end to their empires. So they began to plot and plan. Right? And from their plots and plans was this uh, there, there, there came this movement known as the Batiniya, right? Inwardly they concealed disbelief, outwardly they, they, they pretended to be Shia, and then they de- decided or desired to corrupt the deen of Islam. And one of the major centers from where they were operating was in Bahrain. Bahrain. They were known as the Qaramita. They were Batiniya Qaramita from Bahrain. Uh, they came and they attacked the Kaaba, and they, they they took the black stone and they kept it for many for many a number of years until they were until they until till they returned it. But what they would do is that they would lie in wait in that region, and whenever there would be pilgrims going to Mecca to do Hajj or Umrah, they would slaughter them and take their possessions, and they spread fear amongst the Muslims. These were the Qaramita, Batiniya, and they were from. Their beginnings lie in the Yahud and the Majus. The Majins, why? Because they were resentful that this man, Muhammad, has come and he's destroyed our empires. 
There's no way that we can combat him in terms of knowledge because the Muslims have scholars. They have armies. What can we do? And they conspired together in order to basically you know, distort and fabricate and uh, uh, twist the teachings of Islam. And there was a certain route that they took to show the face of Shiism whilst infusing their Magian, Persian beliefs amongst the Muslimin. So that's the connection with Bahrain. That's why I said, remember that location Bahrain and the fact that there were Yahud and Majus who were there giving jizya, resentful, and that, you know, centuries later, uh, there was the Ubaidiyah in Egypt, the Qaramita in Bahrain, the, Hash- the Hashashin in northern Iran, the assassins as they are known. All these were Batini movements, and they were there trying to attack the Sunni Muslim rulers that were present in those different areas, right? And so this is also connected to the history of the Shia right until modern day Iran, right? Where they all basically come from and where their roots lie. Their roots lie in all of these movements that were trying to destroy the uh, Bani Umayyah and the Banu Abbas, right? All of these movements were there. They were the ones that were trying to attack the, the main body of the Muslimin. They were Rafidi, Batini, Shi'i movements, and from them, there's a history that connects all of them right to present-day Iran. If you do the research and you do the study, you'll see there's a connection uh, b- between them right uh, to this day. So with that, we'll conclude our uh, discussion there today, inshallah ta'ala. This brings us uh, to the end of uh, our discussion of the way the messenger called to the various kings, leaders, rulers. And after this, we're going to look into the battle of Khaybar. The Battle of Khaybar, remember after the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he wanted to establish justice because before that there was the Battle of the Trench when the Yahud instigated the pagan tribes to come and fight against the Muslims. So in pursuing justice, that is the Battle of Khaybar. Inshallah Ta'ala, we will look at that in the next lesson. And with that we'll conclude. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.